Good, 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 good morning, my friends. This is from Monday, June 28th. This is number 317. We're in Mark, and we're in uh, um, Mark chapter 8 toward the end and getting into chapter 9. We're going to notice here in Mark's gospel a change, um, um, and we're going to notice a change uh, where it's more about the last um, uh, um, the last uh, days of Jesus' life. We're going to see how Jesus begins to open up to them um, and get really, really uh, honest with them about his death and resurrection. And it's going to cause some great uh, confusion. But first of all, we have um, Peter's great confession. And again, in Mark, Peter's confession isn't uh, of, of of faith in Christ and who Jesus is, isn't as dramatic as it is in Matthew. But let's look at uh, Mark chapter 8, uh, Mark chapter 8, and, um, and let's go to, uh, to verse 27, and then we'll, we'll get into what I really want to talk about, which is verse 31, 31 through 38. Um, Jesus went out on his, uh, with his disciples in the villages of Caesarea Philippi, and on the way he asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? And they, and they told him, John the Baptist and others, Elijah and others, one of the prophets. And he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Christ, the anointed one. And he strictly charged him to tell no one. Now, we see this confession, and this confession is so powerful uh, in fact, it's even more powerful in Matthew chapter 16. You can go there and look. In fact, let's just do that. Let's go to Matthew chapter 16. Again, I know I covered this a little bit yesterday, but Peter's confession of faith, Matthew chapter 16, beginning with verse 13. Now, when Jesus went, came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? There's that Son of Man from Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. And and it's it's a powerful thing that Jesus is talking about himself here. Um, verse 14, and they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. And then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. What a powerful confession that Peter has. And it brings about some huge things. Jesus says, you know, God, my father is the one who brought this to you. And I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And we know that that happened because on the day of Pentecost, who stood up? Peter stood up and preached um, uh, and uh, the Holy Spirit uh, uh, ministered through him and thousands get saved. And then in Acts chapter 10, who brings the first Gentile uh, converts in reality it is Peter. So he opens up uh, with the keys that Jesus gave him, the kingdom to the Gentiles. So we know that this is a powerful confession. We know that, that this is a time when they are um, finally realizing who Jesus is. It doesn't mean that everything is going to go smoothly, though. Turn to John chapter 6, John chapter 6, and we'll see a little more of this uh, disciples' confession. And again, it's led by Peter. 
in John chapter 6, verse 66, John chapter 6, 66. After this, many, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? Here's Simon Peter again. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, did I not choose you, the twelve, and yet one of you is a devil? Wow, he changes this around, letting him know that not all the disciples who have left are the ones who will leave. There's still one more. Um, he spoke of Judas, the son of uh, Simon Iscariot, for he... Uh, one of the 12 was going to betray him. There was more betrayal to come, but Jesus uh, wasn't about grabbing a great number of disciples. He was about doing the will of the Father, and we're going to see that dramatically in these next verses. So let's read these verses. Um, they're found in Mark chapter 8, verses 31 through uh, 38, and Jesus, for the first time of three times in Mark, uh, foretells his death and his resurrection. Now that they've made their confession and now that Jesus uh, knows their hearts and knows uh, from their own mouths and their own words that they believe he is the Christ, he says, and he began to teach them that the Son of Man, there's the Son of Man again, uh, Daniel 7, 13 and 14, must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after that, three days rise. What a blow to them. They finally realize who he is. And he says, this is about to change. This is the change in Mark, where all of a sudden from this point forward in the remainder of the chapters, we're going to see Jesus heading towards Jerusalem and heading towards uh, the suffering. He, remember, he is the suffering servant of Isaiah chapter 53. And this confession of who he is would not keep him from doing what he was supposed to do. Look at the next verse. Um, and he said to them, Said, he said this plainly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Here is Peter who just confesses this great faith in him. This is Peter who's given up everything to follow him, and Jesus says, uh, now things are going to change, um, and we're headed towards Jerusalem. Uh, and he said this plainly to him, but turning and seeing his disciples, he didn't just rebuke Peter, but he rebukes Peter and the disciples as well. He rebuked Peter and said, get behind me, Satan, for you not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. He re The rebuke has Peter in mind, but it also he's letting all the disciples know that, listen, your mind can't be on earthly things. You're still, even though you're confessing me, um, you're confessing me really truthfully as the Messiah, but you're not confessing me as the one um, who came to die. Um. The reality is that the Messiah that they were still looking for was the Messiah who would sit on the throne of David, who would vindicate um, uh, the Jews and set up the kingdom. So they still had a, a, even though they had a heavenly and spiritual picture of Christ, they had an earthly picture in mind of what Christ would do. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone would come after me, come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me now. Understand the culture of this time. The crucifixion was a regularity. The Romans would crucify people to show other people that they better stay in line. And the crucifixion was, was, was an end all. 
And so he says, when you take up your cross and follow me, he, he really is painting a picture of what the cost is of discipleship. And we have dumbed the cost of discipleship down in the church, unfortunately, for many, many, many years as to just confessing and saying, hey, I'm in, and then just go about your business. No, true discipleship is costly. True discipleship is following after. And what when Jesus said to his disciples, follow me, they left everything behind. They left everything behind. They were willing to step into this picture and they were willing to follow him with everything. And, and Christ really isn't asking us to dump everything, but he's asking us to be willing to take up the cro our cross and follow him. And if even to the point of giving our lives. It's not just church membership. It's not just church attendance. It's not reading your daily devotion. It's not listening to this podcast. It is being willing to lay down your life and to say, what would you have me do? For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. He paints this dramatic picture. He paints this dramatic picture and says, if you want to gain life, you need to lose it, meaning lose your hold on it and begin to think in the terms of the gospel, in the terms of following Christ. And if you're not willing to do that, look at what's next. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? And whoever, listen to this, whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. Peter didn't understand this, but he would eventually understand it. He would be crucified upside down. Why upside down? Because he felt like he wasn't worthy to be crucified in the normal way that, that, his, that his Savior was crucified. Three times Jesus goes about in, the, in, in Mark and predicts his his, his suffering and his death. Here, and then in Mark chapter 9, and then in Mark chapter 10. But let's see the end result, the reality of Jesus teaching to Peter and Peter finally coming to grips with the fact that Jesus wasn't here to build an earthly kingdom. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. We're going to spend a couple minutes in First Peter, and then we're going to close this. First Peter chapter three or chapter one, verse three. Listen intently. Peter in Mark rebukes Jesus for saying that he must die. Jesus turns it around and rebukes him and said, "You have an earthly mindset." But look what happens toward the end of Peter's life. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through what? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Why? Because it's kept in heaven for us, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. And in this you rejoice, though now for a little while it is necessary 
if you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's all about Christ. And all of this is to prepare us, and all of this is to test us, all of this is to refine us. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Obtaining the outcome of your faith. What's the outcome of your faith? Not just more faith, not miracles. What's the outcome of your faith? The salvation of your souls. What is faith about? It is about your souls. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Read that. Concerning the salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours stretched or searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. The prophets searched the scriptures. They wanted to know who it was. They died without knowing. But they searched the scriptures, wondering um, who and when this would come about. And on the road to Emmaus in Luke chapter 24, Jesus expounds the scriptures in a post-resurrection appearance. And he tells the disciples on the road to Emmaus, he takes them all the way back through the Old Testament, said it was necessary for this to happen and this to happen and this to happen. Can your eyes just just open up to the reality that my death, my burial, and my resurrection was always, always the plan of God? Look at 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 19, and we'll bring this to a close. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 19. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as far as you share Christ's sufferings that you also may rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed, when he comes back, when he reveals himself to everyone for who he is. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief, as an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if someone, anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin. Listen, listen. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let us let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. This couldn't have been um, more apt for today. It couldn't have been. Peter understands uh, after, really after the, the resurrection and after Jesus reveals himself to him, he understands, okay, this is what you needed to do. Jesus, uh, 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 um, Peter became a stumbling block for a moment and Jesus had to rebuke him and set him straight and there would be more opportunities where Peter would fail trying to understand and trying to grasp what Jesus would say. Can I tell you, Peter was the only, wasn't the only one who didn't grasp what Jesus said. Because Jesus says, if you're going to be my disciple, you're going to have to follow me. And that following means suffering. That following means we're going to be abused. That following means we're going to be attacked. That following means your name's going to be uh, dragged through the mud. And if none of those things are happening to you, then you're probably still in the boat. 
you're probably still hanging so close to 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 um to your own home and you're staying inside and you're keeping your faith for yourself because after all our faith is personal no it's not personal no it's not private our 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 faith needs to be public our faith needs to be public do you need to buy a sandwich board and a big bible and stand on the corner no unless god calls you to do that but the reality is that we are in this world, but we are not of this world. And if we're not under some kind of attack and people are questioning us and questioning our faith, then we need to question our faith because we're being too quiet. I'm being too quiet. If all I do is speak to other Christians and, I, and I'm not about the master's business and I'm not sharing the gospel with a world that so desperately needs to hear about a God that's not mad at them but madly in love with them. But even though he's madly in love with them, there's a time of judgment coming if we don't repent. Oh, church, church, church. We got to get this down in our souls and we got to realize that Jesus came to suffer and to give his life for you. For me, for our family, for our friends, for our neighbors, for our enemies. Will we just curse the darkness or will we be a light in the darkness? If you want to gain your life, you'll lose it. If you want to gain your life, you'll lose it. You'll wrap it up in Jesus Christ. You will do what Romans 12 says and you will you will submit yourself. You'll 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 present yourself a living offering to the Lord. Is it time? Is it time to present yourself as a living offering to the Lord and say, God, whatever it is and whatever it costs, I will follow you. Numbers chapter 6, verse 24. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you till we talk again.